0: Over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, Savior of mankind. Saint Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents. Curtis's arc with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa.
1: Uh, Another week, and I notice on the roster of stories, Nancy, that we're going to be talking about until uh, Dominic Carter joins us towards the end of the hour is a lot of dog stories. I mean, an inordinate number of dog stories. So uh, are you you ready to uh, (laughs) chew on your milk bones and uh, do, do your best in trying to explain some of these stories? Yeah, I will do my best. Okay, first off, we have big story. It's mostly on the crime side. A couple apparently had a neighborhood that was giving them a hard time, a neighbor who was giving them a hard time in a building, apartment building in Washington Heights. They were gunned down outside of the apartment building, but so was, I believe, the dog. Can you explain this uh, situation? Because apparently uh, this all centered around the couple's dog.
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so definitely the dog apparently did play a big part, uh, you know, in the sense that the the couple – well, actually, no, it wasn't a couple. What it was was a, a, a woman, uh, Jackie, and she lived in the building. She had a dog. Now, apparently there had been a previous run-in with this individual, but beyond that, this guy had um, earlier this year in April tried to uh, knock on her door – then break into her apartment. And while she was trying to keep him out, uh, you know, there was an assault. So he's already in the system because he assaulted her. He tried to uh, burglarize the apartment. And in addition to that, he had been, you know, sort of uh, being aggressive to her dog as she was walking it out, which is why she was leaving. uh, She would tend to walk around the apartment with her nephew, who was the other person who was killed. So now – and I actually looked at this, uh, you know, court case online, the the initial one that happened. This is – I mean, this is beyond insane, and and this is where, you know, again, the system fails people. This, um, you know, this case had prompted where she had a temporary restraining order against this individual – which was um, a month later extended. Now, that only happens when it's a serious um, offense, like when they extend it, because they'll they'll grant you a temporary one, you know, um, on the fly usually just by testimony. But here he was living virtually next door to her in an apartment that illegally, because that apartment was uh, an apartment his aunt was supposed to be living in, but she lives in North Carolina. So that didn't even prompt him being kicked out of the apartment. And here we are months later, and this happened. So, I mean, again, the system failed everybody across the board here.
1: So we have uh, two people who are dead, shot and killed. Uh, We have the dog who was shot and killed, correct? Correct. And we have the suspect who is still on the lam? Correct. Wow. And it really all centered on the dog initially. And I noticed that there are a lot of apartment situations where people are on the same floor, And maybe uh, a dog uh, acts up a bit or a dog is loud or they're barking. And that causes like the Hatfields and the McCoys amongst the neighbors. So this is sort of like uh, a very sobering story of what I see on a regular basis. Now, here's another story involving dogs. An Amtrak conductor claims that she was bitten on board, chomped on by a dog, correct? Can you give us the uh, information?
2: Okay, so yeah, this is uh, another interesting case and uh, another interesting legal case. So this conductor, uh, you know, she claimed that while she was, uh, you know, on on board uh, heading to Albany, uh somewhere around Yonkers, uh one of the passengers had this little dog that bit her on the ankles and, you know, then wound up, you know, causing a scuffle. This um, you know, passenger had to be escorted off the train. And then, you know, as a result of that, uh she had to get tetanus shot, medication. I mean apparently she's being treated by a psychologist now, but uh you know, more or less what she's saying is that, you know, Amtrak has not done its uh due diligence by protecting, you know, not only the employees but the passengers. Um, you know, and she sort of made a couple of claims as to why, but what was interesting was she made this claim that Uh, they fail to require written verification that all dogs on board are service animals. Now, I looked at their website. I mean, I looked at their policy. I mean, there is no requirement that an animal has to be a service animal to be on board there. I mean, in fact, they say that you can have a cat or a dog um, up to 20 pounds, like as long as it's in a carrier. And I think, you know, if, if it's not, for some reason, it would have to be like harnessed and, um, you know, muzzled if it was a dog. But, you know, there's no prohibition against just having a pet dog. So if if she's successful, that can start a whole new policy, which I don't think a lot of people would agree with because I think a lot of people do travel with their pets. So this is certainly something to watch.
1: And this is called a uh, what animal?
2: Well, what, the claim that is being made is that it should be a service animal, meaning that only service animals should be permitted to... Uh, ride on board, uh, you know, public transportation like Amtrak, but you know, as it stands now, that isn't what it is. You can bring a pet there. Uh, you can have a pet as long as it's in a carrier or it's a certain weight limitation. So, this would be something that would change the policy. And with as many people who ride Amtrak, I mean, this would be you know, this would affect a lot of people who have pets.
1: Our number is one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. I see earlier in the week, speaking of service animals, uh, there was a Philadelphia Phillies fan who showed up with a service animal that was an alligator, and they wouldn't let him in. What the hell was that? An what? alligator is a service animal? And First of all, if you go to a Philadelphia Phillies uh, baseball game, or Philadelphia Eagles uh, football game, or if you go to a uh, Philadelphia uh, hockey game, the Broad Street Bullies—they're crazy to begin with. But a fan <laughs> shows up with an alligator and claims that it's a service animal, and they denied the fan his 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 seat, his season ticket seat.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I'm sh- I'm not sure exactly what the qualifications are for you know having uh, you know that criteria, but yeah, clear- I mean, I think it-, it would cause way more trauma to a lot of other patrons there just to to you know walk <laughs> like uh, like uh, into the stands and and see that. So I- I'm I'm pretty sure their basis was valid. I mean, and again, I I think a lot of these people probably do stuff to maybe stretch the limits or make a point and.
1: Yeah, well, that's Philadelphia. To, to their
2: point, they said, no, thank you.
1: Those are Philadelphia fans. It doesn't matter <laughs> what sport, they're off, they're, they're rocking. Now, here's another thing that always involves um, makeups to breakups, uh, separations or divorces when it involves joint custody of not just children but animals like dogs or cats or other animals. So apparently a New York City man was suing his ex – for breaking joint custody, taking the dog, or as the woman described it, dog-napping him to New Jersey. What was the outcome of that decision?
2: Okay, so, well, actually, so, yeah, this is just um, started in terms of the, the case being initiated, but it, it centers around a Pomeranian dog that was purchased by this couple in 2018, and they were together for roughly three years. They separated, and you know i guess they had, they worked out an actual agreement uh that they were you know going to have um on and off custody each month so you know that they and they actually maintained that for 2 years until the woman when she last picked up in september uh this dog teddy for a visit uh called him and said no thank you i'm not going to go through with this anymore and i'm just going to keep the dog and i'm moving to new jersey so now he's suing her in court to say, you know, he wants um like uh, $50,000 in damages, but I think, you know, it would be more, he would want the possession of the dog. So, I mean, again, now this is an interesting case because, uh, you know, the value of the dog would be normally how any sort of court would be looking at animals because they're considered property, although they had a legal agreement. So... There might be some wiggle room, given that they actually agreed to it, and he approached court so quickly.
1: Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 9222 That's one eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc Now, I noticed when uh, you put on the full-screen uh, plasma TV that's attached to the computer to show me some stuff, uh, that we have uh, one cat, Mittens, who looks at everything up on the big screen. She is obsessed with everything up on the big screen. It's as if she's editing it. That sort of co-joins with a story about uh, dog TV. It's TV for dogs. Now, is there an actual network for dog watching TV and maybe even humans too?
2: Well, yeah, so that apparently is what this is called, Dog TV, and it, you know, it it started really a couple of years back. I, I think, you know, initially they were saying maybe it, it started booming a little bit during the pandemic time, like people are home and they have their pets, but then when people started going back to work, that, that uh, separation anxiety, so... You know the, the the I guess the platforms of the shows, like when I look at it, and, and you know what I'm looking, how they you know the descriptions of them, uh, it's not really super clear how much attention they pay to the screen itself, because you know it's like they're centered on a lot of the noise. So again, it's, I'm not sure how, how um the stats are with this. Now I know what we do with the cats. To me, that's a lot different in terms of because they're such active predators, so they chase the things on the screen. Like, so it seems like you know, dogs are a little more true to form. Like they just kind of ignore it, and they just have it in the background. <laughs> so, but you know, that could be good. I mean, you know, just hearing the noise, and you know, supposedly it has a lot of sounds that they like and you know, things that appeal to them where it seems like they're outdoors and people are with them. They're not alone. So, I mean, I like the premise of it.
1: Oh, you do? Uh, maybe now you can form uh, something called Cat TV for, for cats like our cat, the rescue cat, Mittens.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, but the problem is when I put that on the screen with us, it, within like five seconds I have to turn it off because the screen won't fall.
1: You mean it would fall from all the cats Exactly,
2: because they go right after it. They, they think it's real. They, they just go too quickly at the screen.
1: That's true. When you've put up uh, images of mice or rats running on the screen, the cats attack that. They attack the screen.
2: Yeah, they do. They
1: do. Our number is one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, I see a New York cat has won the Nationwide Hambone Award for getting stuck in the Castro convertible sofa. Uh, were any of our rescue cats competing for that uh, award? Because I've seen a few get stuck myself.
2: <laughs> no, no. So, no, we haven't. We were, We didn't have any uh, competitors this year. But <clears throat> this is um, an annual award that's uh, sponsored by Nationwide. And it's based on, you know, like pet insurance. And it tries to know, bring attention and awareness, obviously, to having pet insurance and the reasons why to have it. But, you know, it's a really sort of a cute way to do it where people compete and they take, like, whatever the most wacky claim that they made that year for pet insurance. So we had a, a winner in New York City named Giles, who was a cat who got stuck uh, underneath a sofa bed when it was being closed. <laughs> so that came up as the winning claim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the sofa bed when it was closed.
2: <laughs> yeah, like they they, they they had um. Apparently, this couple had family over, and they didn't realize the cat had somehow fallen asleep. And you know, how like when sometimes you put the Castro convertible down, and by the time it clicks, it's like too late, and the cat was in there, so it got sort of hit. But they were able to bring the cat to the vet, and you know, so that was the the winner of the I guess the goofiest claim.
1: Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Uh, oftentimes when we discuss animal welfare in our area, uh, we've had calls of people who said they're overrun with deer in Connecticut, upstate New York, the suburbs of New York certainly Pennsylvania where your mom lives, parts of New Jersey I see that that's also true apparently in Cal- on California's Catalina Island, so what are they doing there to try to cull the herd?
2: Um well, basically eliminate every single one of them by uh, employing sharpshooters from helicopters to basically eliminate the entire population. Uh, so as you can imagine, it's not really gaining the the type of support that the they would hope for in the community. And, you know, people, uh, again, so apparently this is a little bit of an issue they've had in the past where, you know, they seem to get overrun with populations. Now, this is a a small island. You know, the, actually, the funny thing about this is, this is a small island that is supposedly um, a getaway for humans because it provides respite from the, the smogginess of L.A. But, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, it's its, own, it's its only tiny island that is off of that craziness, and yet the people are going there, and now they're trying to to tell, you know, to determine what the ecosystem looked like. So I think that's kind of a curious point right there. But, yeah, they want to eliminate all of them. So, um, it's not being met very well. I mean, especially the harsh way in which they're doing it, you know, having people shooting from helicopters and then just leaving carcasses there. So, as you can imagine, it's not going over well.
1: Well, this reminds me when Sarah Palin was governor of Alaska. She actually sanctioned hunters going up in helicopters uh, to uh, call the wolf herd, if I remember correctly. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and again, it, it, here it's also the, part of the issue is well there's um you know diminishing vegetation I mean they're having a problem oh, well the you know there's not as much of uh you know the the sustenance they normally have I mean they could also solve that by you know coming up with additional ways to plant food sources, but you know as opposed to that, they just want to cull the herd
1: our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two, and I see not far from where your mom lives in Pennsylvania. Up to eight thousand minks are on the loose. Uh, what is that from a mink farm?
2: Yeah. Well, yes, from a from a mink farm. Uh, apparently, it was uh, some someone had cut a hole in the fence of this fur farm, and all of a sudden, between six and eight thousand of these minks just got out. So, the, actually, the, I find the, the funniest thing really is that. The state police are involved in trying to recapture these minks, and they're also informing the public you shouldn't be approaching them because they're aggressive. Even though they're small, they can be very aggressive. <laughs> so beware.
1: <laughs> so somewhere out in Pennsylvania, the minks are running around. And by the way, if anybody has ever seen uh, what they do with minks in order to get their, uh, skirt, uh, their uh, skins, uh, to get their uh, fur it is abominable what they do to the minks.
2: Oh, it's, it's, and it's disgusting, and its I love how they call it a, a, like a fur farm. They make It sounds so nice, but no, it's not.
1: No, no, and the deaths are horrible, horrible deaths. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Sandra New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Sandra. WABC.
3: As we speak, I just gave my little cat a little treat. You know, I'm an animal lover big time. I could tell you a story how I found a little snail under a tire near the bank. It was a shell and I didn't know why would a shell be under my tire. I looked at this shell and it was a live snail. I, I felt so bad for the snail that I drove about a mile away, found a place where there was rocks, water, and a bridge just to show you how much I love animals. But the reason I called tonight was I was very disturbed about what happened to the the couple who lost their dog, too. I mean, the, the whole thing is so awful that I responded to the New York Post, and I want you to hear what I wrote. And I'm a very peaceful person, but what I wrote wasn't so peaceful. Well, now i got to find it. Just Basically, I said, oh, I can't find it now. Well, just, uh, just some,
1: give us a summary of what you okay. said.
3: I, I, I basically said that, you know, this has gone a little too far, people killing people and dogs. And I really blame it on the Biden administration because you, you can do whatever you want and you don't, you do the crime, but you don't pay the time. And, and I really feel at this point that it's the Biden it's, it's their fault that this is happening. It's crazy. And, and I feel that we need Trump back. We need law and order back and i'm just devastated what happened to this wonderful woman who works for the government has a good decent people and now i can i'm afraid to walk my dog maybe someone'll shoot me this is sick
1: wow so that one incident which i might add is not common has triggered off in sandra a desire to reelect donald trump president because this won't happen when he's president i I that that's not something that I think is uh, Donald Trump's sweet spot Ed, dealing well, no, with I mean, well, with pets I I
2: definitely think though of the, all of the the avenues of the shortfall and I, and I see it too. I mean you have this woman who is you know by all accounts uh you know been working uh for the the court system for a long time. She was known for helping the homeless citizens. She's a good person. And she got attacked by someone who was allowed to live in the building because the mother is living somewhere else and letting her son live there illegally, and the courts are looking the other way. And it's like no one cares that all this stuff is happening, and she has to be terrorized every day walking out of her own house. Like, that shouldn't be right.
1: Hmm. Let's go to uh, Doreen, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Doreen.
4: Hello, I, I am an animal lover. I've had up to eight cats living in my home at once, and I have two in my garage right now. They're in a shelter, but I'm, I'm also a blind woman that has had guide dogs. There is a difference between a service animal and an emotionally support or therapy animal. The ADA covers service animals. They have to be trained to perform a service in order for them to be taken into public areas. If you have an emotionally support animal and a therapy animal, those are covered under the Fair Housing Act, which means you can have them in your home and and, and fight with condos and co-ops and, you, you know, those gated communities to have them be able to live there. But you're not allowed to bring them into public areas. And that's why that, what was it, an alligator?
0: Yes, yeah, I'm
4: having a hard time believing what kind of service that animal can serve for that person. Well, they have animals that can tell whether a diabetic is going low in their glo- glucose. They have animals that can be trained and and notice when somebody is going to have an epileptic seizure they have guide dogs for the blind they have animals that help people who are in wheelchairs uh, you know to pick up things or to help them along up a hill or up a, up a, a ramp so i'd like to know what kind of service that animal was going to be giving that individual while going to a football game maybe it was going to get them beer
1: well, if you've ever uh, read the stories about uh, the Philadelphia Philly fans or the Philadelphia oh, Flyer fans. Goodness,
4: yes, those are, yeah. They
1: kill each other. So I think if you had an alligator oh. with you, that's like having a pit bull or a Rottweiler. I mean, who the hell's uh. going to come mess with you? You got I'm an alligator. Bad
4: for, I, I, actually, um, um, I feel bad for the alligator. Isn't that kind of <laughs> out of its element?
1: Well, I don't know if amongst Philadelphia Philly fans you could say it's out of its uh, element. Um, all right. Well, maybe. No, I'm serious. Maybe. I'm serious. You got to think about it. But it-
4: also, service animals are not supposed to cause a danger to the other individuals around them. And that's the other thing that people that people forget. Even service animals who are guide dogs or whatever, well. if they bite someone or if they ca- cause... An an angry issue because some people. Well, well, let's let's
1: look at from the Philadelphia Philly fan who uh, felt he needed the emotional support animal that happened to be an alligator named Wally Gator. Oh jeez! They (laughs) were they were denied entrance to watch the Philadelphia Phillies host the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, the Gator was on a leash with a harness with his name on it outside the stadium when they were rejected entry. Okay. Well, they can watch it from home on a big screen TV. I'm telling you, I think I can feel the pain of Wally Gator. You imagine walking around. Well, first off, Philadelphia has a high, violent crime problem. You've seen the looting that's been going on in their retail stores. You imagine walking into any of those stores while looting is going on and you have your your support animal is an alligator? Do you think anyone's going to mess with you, Nancy?
2: No, I mean, because at a minimum, you look off.
1: I'm telling you, it, it, an emotional support alligator barred from entering the Philly Stadium And by the way, we have not yet heard that uh, it will be banned because the Phillies may make the playoffs, and the owner and operator of the Philadelphia Phillies is still hoping that it might bring playoff luck. So he hasn't excluded the fact that the fan and the comfort animal, the alligator, may be invited back.
2: And something tells me when he brings this alligator to any bar, he's getting free drinks. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, Let's go, if we can, to Ilona calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Ilona.
5: Hi, Curtis. Uh, You know, I did talk to you this week. Um, On the YouTube shorts, it was like right now. If you look right now, um, they have cows being brought to slaughter. Overseas, and now they're saying it's in India. They tie their legs. The cows don't know, or the, well, they don't know what's going on. And you know, and then they kill them. And this is on YouTube. Then they have um, animals that are like they have this idiot that teases dogs to scare them for YouTube money, and he gets away with it. And YouTube actually told me tonight that um, that that I, like they they try to stop me from making comments. You know, and then they have animals fighting each other. So a YouTuber overseas is literally taking pictures of this. You know, I mean, you know, I can go on and on. It's disgusting. And then we then we have even in America, they're killing doves. They have wild boars lined up one after another. They're killing deers and they show them dead with blood. I mean, this is outrageous. And YouTube is paying these people.
1: Nancy, would you be willing uh, to do a deep dive on that so we can try to figure all of that out?
5: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, and again, what's what's so frustrating about these types of things is it's almost as though there's no one officially to talk to. So you have varying degrees of, um, you know, transparency and then... Uh, you know how often or if someone gets back to you and what's what's really scary is sometimes even by sort of commenting on something saying like what are you doing you gotta take this down like you could get banned so i mean yeah it, it's yeah it, it gets really tricky when you're trying to to get something off but yeah definitely will look into that for sure
1: oh please do you're welcome our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Joe Joe calling from Jericho. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Joe, hey, paisani, uh,
6: Curtis and Nancy. First of all, now that I know what that's nuts with the uh, with the uh, alligator in public. That's a threat to uh, other people. Now I know what happened to Don Johnson. He had the uh, the nut job on a Miami Vice, he had it on his board, his boat. Anyway, those people in India should be ashamed of themselves for doing that to the cows. Also, as for these people going over these cowards from the plane shooting wolves, there's never been a reported case of a healthy, unprovoked wolf attacking a human being in uh, North American history. And remember, remember, it was, they should go overhead and shoot the MS-13 guys. In the meantime, if it was, uh, wolves have, she-wolves have rescued, Babies that were abandoned, Romulus and Remus, That was they created Rome. And it was a, it was based on the fact that a she-wolf pulled them out of the Tiber River, brought them up to the cave, breastfed them with her cubs. Papa Wolf protected them. It wouldn't be a Rome without wolves. So leave the wolves alone. Now, one other thing. Now, now hold on. We,
1: uh, we must discuss the wolves, Joe, because... Uh, Many of our listeners do not know that Nancy's nickname is uh, Lone Wolf One. And that at times when there's uh, a blood moon, a full moon, a partial eclipse of the moon, that you oftentimes uh, sort of revert to a wolf-like, what can I say, behavior as you go into Central Park. And you give out wolf howls, which I've actually seen and heard with my own eyes. Yes, with with your own concept of the wolf. Tell me yes. what it is about wolves and wolf packs that attracted you to those animals many years ago.
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I think there's certainly an element of well, first of all, the lone wolf element. I think that's that's where it came about. I mean, obviously, they're part of a pack. Initially, but they're not always, and they have times where they're just off on their own. So, I like that element of it. I mean, because they're both,
1: and uh, they also mate for life, correct? That's what I've heard.
2: Hmm.
1: All right, now you know a hell of a lot more about yeah. wolves. You're just <laughs> not you're just not <laughs> revealing why it is Don't you're ref- you're referred to as lone wolf one. Yeah, you you've already revealed enough, I think. If there is a full moon, if there is a partial eclipse, if there is a blood moon, I know where I can find Nancy. She's in the Rambles in Central Park. She's on that big boulder that overlooks the lake. and She's howling incessantly. Like a wolf would. (laughs) Earning the nickname Lone Wolf. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's
0: Art with Nancy Slewa Now with Nancy Slewa here's Curtis Sliwa.
1: And to the phones we go, Nancy. It's Lou calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Lou.
7: Yes, Curtis and Nancy. A couple of years ago, I adopted a German Shepherd pure breed. I had her for about two weeks, and I'm watching National Geographic. On TV, a documentary about wolves. She's sitting next to me, very calm. And she heard the wolves howling. And she started howling and scared the crap out of me.
1: Wow. So what is that? I mean, mean, she was, like,
7: in full mode.
1: So your shepherd, all of a sudden, uh, it was almost like a reflex action, sees uh documentary on TV that you're watching from well, National Geographic. what
7: she saw or heard. I think it was more she heard.
1: So when she heard the wolf howling, she started howling, too? Oh, man.
7: Are you sure it's a German Shepherd? A snoot went up. Excuse me?
2: Are you sure it's a full German Shepherd? Maybe it's part. Oh, yeah,
7: she was a pure breed. Uh, She had papers and everything. Uh, She was given up because uh, she was a show dog and had too many litters, and she wasn't worth
1: anything anymore.
7: You know, isn't that sad?
1: Oh, it's very sad. Very sad that uh, they...
7: I gave her a good home. And, boy, let me tell you, she was the most loyal dog I've ever had.
1: Now, let me ask you a question, Lou. Uh, Like a wolf, you know, we will start baying to the moon when it's a full moon, a blood moon, or a partial eclipse, or eclipse, like Nancy does. Did uh, that your adopted uh, shepherd ever howl like a wolf at those times?
7: No, no. It's just that... It happened a few times if I'd be watching, the, you know, documentaries about wolves, it would just trigger her if she heard the sound. No, nah, the wolf thing no. No. I mean the full moon thing no, that didn't trigger her.
1: I think what I want to try, Lewis, I remember as a kid I would watch a lot of National Geographic uh documentaries and oh, short documentaries. Too. I love them. Is uh Nancy, I'm going to go back through the archives. See if we can watch a uh, wolf documentary and see if it inspires you to start baying at the moon like a wolf. You better run. <laughs> you better run quick. <laughs> no, people People say, well, why is your wife, a uh, nickname is Lone Wolf One? I'm telling them. Yeah, see, uh, there's something in the air, the ether, I don't know what it is. But when it's a half moon, it's a blood moon, it's a, uh, it's an eclipse. Oh, I believe it. It's a partial <laughs> eclipse. She goes into Central Park to rambles, gets up on the boulder, and bays for like an hour.
7: I believe it. You know, there are people that have uh, different senses, more acute to... Uh, it's a key into nature than other people. So maybe she's very acute on the phases of the moon and gravitational and tidal things. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but you believe that, and I believe that, too. And let's I face, believe it. Let's face it, in the uh, history of radio, one of the all-time great DJs, not as great as our own cousin Brucey, he was the greatest and is of all time, but his competitor was Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack, it was from Williamsburg, went to Eastern District High School. 4,000 crazy guys. Then escaped, went out to Cali, Cali, California. And then Nancy started broadcasting from the most powerful radio station in the world. On the other side of the border, 100,000 watts. And that's how he took on the persona of Wolfman Jack. So you see. You're not the only person who has a nickname of Lone Wolf One. Anyway, let's flip the script and go to Neil and Canarsie. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Neil. Ooh. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Neil is doing what Sal from Staten Island did to me about 24 hours ago and has fallen asleep. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing, Nancy, that is more embarrassing to talk to your host to talk to your hostesses than a caller who becomes Stangat. because you see that's a reflection of us that whatever we were saying or whatever conversation we were having with callers was of of no consequence, was so boring that it put our listeners to sleep.
2: Well you were talking longer than me, so I think it actually is no, it's more you.
1: And it's from ha. <laughs> Oh, my God, what an insult. That adds insult to injury. So let's let's drop Neil like a bad habit, and let's talk about, wow, Florida turtle nests that are making a big comeback. You know, there was a period of time where because of uh, population, growth in Florida, and so many people migrating there, and so many people living so close to the shoreline, that the uh, the old-fashioned uh, turtles that would migrate and actually dig in the sand and bury their eggs uh, for hatching almost disappeared. What is it that's causing them to make a big uh, comeback now, especially in a state like Florida, which is, is suffering from overpopulation and overdevelopment of their beach uh, properties? Yeah, so,
2: um, you know, what this, uh, you know, sort of study uh, has been, you know, indicating is really that there's a increase in the amount of nests that exist, but unfortunately, it's not corresponding to the number of hatchlings that is happening. So, you know, it, it's you know, it's this problem where there is a lot of um, you know eggs and a lot of nests, but they're not hatching. And the other issue is that because of the uh, the increase in temperature, so where the uh, turtles, they bury, uh, bury the eggs, it's in the sand. Now, the sand has been increasingly getting warm. Now, here's a really curious fact I had no idea about, that the gender of the turtles, it's not determined by DNA. It's determined about the, uh, by the temperature that exists when the eggs are hatching. So by virtue of the fact that the sand is now warmer, almost 100% of the turtle eggs that are hatching are females. So that's... Um, a, a curiosity. And, you know, and, and apparently it's not unique because that's been happening to a number of different um, uh, species. So this is, you know, like a trend that's, you know, sort of alarming because again, it's just something to, to note. It takes them apparently 20 to 30 years before they reach um, maturity where they can actually breed. So things that are happening now are just, you know, refle- are reflective of you know, policies that have been instituted in the past. But again, it just shows you how, you know, when you make these decisions that affect the animals, it's not that it has an oh, overnight effect. Oh, it didn't work. You don't know. These, you know, there's long-term effects to these things. So again, it, it remains to be seen what happens with this. But I think the, the bad sign is that there's so many um, uh, hatchlings that aren't happening. So it's a, sh- it's a sign that there's a struggle to keep them alive.
1: And they're all females.
2: And, and they're all females, the ones that do survive. See, I, I, do
1: survive. I've warned my peers, all men out there, including you, Matt Blaze, that women are at the point where they can clone their own. They don't need us. They don't even need us to make a donation into a Petri dish. Um, you don't think those female turtles are cloning their own. Every, every new turtle that is hatched is a female, no males.
2: Yeah and that's exactly that's true. So um you know apparently it's it's not super super alarming. I mean I guess you know theoretically you only need to have a couple of them the males anyway. I mean the females are doing all the work. So yeah, I think it it's just sort of a sign of the reality of their situation.
1: It's like amazon turtles. <laughs> yes. And then finally President Joe Biden is to offer the smallest ever offshore oil rights sale plan. Uh how does that impact uh, animal and sea life?
5: Well,
2: I mean again, so this is, you know, a, a part of the like that sort of distinction where uh you know, oh the uh, the wind, the wind energy, oh we're, we're trying to get get away from having these Uh, offshore oil drilling. But yet here again, it's part and parcel of the leasing that's going on, Uh, you know, these certain rights being sold in the Gulf of Mexico for the next five years. And I mean, even the the justification for it, too, that, oh, well, to sustain the, the wind turbine industry, well, we need to have a a certain degree of, of oil to maintain, uh, you know, the, the um, machinery itself. So, I mean, the logic is just not there, uh, you know, again, it, to support all of this wind turbine. And, and it goes to show you that, that there really, this really isn't the goal to, to stop any one specific plan of action. This is why we need to really, um, you know, halt what's going on with the wind turbine because of the negative effects.
1: All right. Now, in the uh, interim, be, before you return to all of us next week, same time, same place for the animal welfare hour. If anybody is in need of assistance or needs further information, anything having to do with animals, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Ah, uh, well, uh, you can go to uh, uh, guardianangels dot org, uh, animal protection tab. Uh, you can email me nancy guardianangels dot org. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll
1: hear from you soon. Well, I think we're going to follow up on what Lou said from Long Island when he adopted that shepherd who started baying uh, at uh, a National Geographic special on wolves. We're going to have to have you fully tested. People think that I'm I'm uh, sort of like jiving around when I talk about how you actually go into Central Park at times. And when there is a full moon when there is a blood moon, when there is a partial eclipse and full eclipse, that you get on that boulder right by the rambles and you howl, howl, so loud that all the other dogs in the neighborhood start howling, including the coyote that nobody seems to be able to find in Central Park other than yourself.
2: Yeah, I think if we test anyone, we should start with you.
1: Definitely. Anyway, uh, up next, return of the Mac. It's Dominic Carter, and oh, I got a lot of questions for Dominic Carter about his friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who was M-I-A, A-W-O-L, for seven hours in the midst of our crisis and emergency when New York City was underwater.
0: WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that on 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa.
1: Once again, Dominic Carter in the house comes with his own transportable music on the (laughs) boombox. Good evening uh, to you. Well, good evening, and uh, you're right on time because I need an expert uh, on all things in the Bronx. Okay. You were born and raised in the Bronx.
8: Born in Manhattan, raised in the Bronx.
1: 136... Patterson Projects, not named after my husband in law, David Patterson. Broad <laughs> Snake <Thruksnec laughs> Projects. You've been, uh, you spent a lot of time in the Bronx. Yes, sir. Uh, your friend, Eric Adams. Oh, boy. Was missing in action during the flooding, the emergency from uh, what I can tell, four in the morning to about 11 o'clock in uh, the morning, so for seven hours. And then he appeared at City Hall and he did a press conference, but he was way late. I have it on very good authority. And after having a fundraiser in Inwood, he then went north to uh, Jimmy Rodriguez's new uh, joint guy is infamous. You remember he had uh, Jimmy's Cafe.
8: And full disclosure, I used to hang out at some of
1: his spots. Oh! Many of his spots. Why did I sort of have an inclination that you did? Really? Which spots did you hang out, Uh, Jimmy? You know, he's a felon, you know. (laughs) A lot of felons hang out. Uh,
8: He used to have the one... Right off of the Deegan, that was the big
1: one. Oh, Jimmy's Cafe. That's yes. right on West Fordham Road that, off how, the Sedgwick. How do you know? Well, because remember, I started the Guardian Angels up there. Although he started his time. he started his gin joint and restaurant after that. It was a hot spot. It's where Castro went when he came to America after a hiatus of many years. Uh, he was brought there by Jose Rano and Charlie Rangel. And they raised the roof there, but it was a place uh, where a lot of drug dealers were. I mean, they used well, to have shootouts when, outside.
8: When I was there, I didn't see any drug deals or or any um, shootouts. Um, when 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 I went, you asked which one, so I went to his spot. He had a spot on Fifty Seventh Street. Yeah, and he had one. You uh, go to City, City, City Island. Island. I've been to the City Island Don't location. go key. Well, it, no, that that was I think that was another one. That's another
1: one. That was um, up in Westchester, but he had two. He had right. one on City Island, right. one they, in Westchester. Right, there's one in
8: Westchester. Why Chester? are they all closed? Uh, you're asking rhetorical questions.
1: Well, the reason I'm asking <laughs> is because I know the mayor now hangs out there late at night. It used to be the Club Zero Bond downtown. In,
8: in fairness to Jimmy, uh, in the political world, yes, in the political world, his establishments have been way before Eric Adams, the hangout uh, locations in the world of politics.
1: I know, but never for mayors. uh, This is true. And never for police commissioners. Eddie Caban is always there.
8: Yeah, I've never seen a police commissioner. No, uh,
1: but his brother, Richie, I I know his brother. Oh, you do? Yes. Well, he has the SLA, uh, the liquor license from the state because, as you know...
8: Well, I know one of the brothers.
1: uh, I don't know how many there are. Jimmy can't qualify because he's a felon. Mm. Why the hell is everybody hanging out now at Con Sofrito at Zuriga Avenue in Castle Hill? Uh, Dominic, I think it's time for you to be busting your shoes and go up there because... The mayor just before he left at four in the morning. That was closing time. He was. Uh, I would tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. <laughs> <You> now, <know?
8: laughs> that that is one of the reasons mm. why people hang out there. I mean, it, it's not. I haven't been there in. Uh, I haven't been there in maybe 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 six months, mm. maybe five months. Ooh. But um, I, but, I
1: thought you were going to say five years, six years. No, Uh-oh. no,
8: no, no, no. But 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 it's. It's like in the world of hip hop. Yes, it's like uh, it's a cool place to be. Mm. It's a cool. Don't look at me like no, that. No, a lot of these hip hop guys are it, felons, it, right? It, it, it's a cool place to be. But remember, when you grow up in the hood, mm. that's nothing. You know, it, 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 it's 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 part of life. And so you go there. It's cool the hangout spot. The women are there.
1: Um, The politicians, the politicians
8: are there. there, The judges are there. uh, The judges are there. It's like a scene out
1: of the Godfather. You know, it's uh, they're all there.
8: It's it's um. All I can tell you is that it's it's a good for for me my experience. Now, now,
1: let's connect the dots because you you do have street smarts. So the mayor was last heard at four o'clock in the morning when he was uh, leaving. I, I would tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that was
8: at four in the morning at Consolato. I, I, I think the mayor's just trying to sound
1: cool there. He
8: has a long-term girlfriend, as you know, in Fort Lee. I think he's just trying to play to the mean masses. Mean apartment
1: twenty-two H, Tracy the Beard. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's get back to Con Sofrito. You're oh, getting boy. very nervous. Oh,
8: here. boy. But wait, why Why do you, notice you say Matt a Blaze? Notice
1: how he's getting very <laughs> nervous here as I zone in on Con Sofrito. You know, right by Commerce and Zuriga, right there in uh, you know, Castle Hill. There.
8: Well, you you know I don't abandon my friends. No, that's true. And, and Jimmy Rodriguez has been a friend of mine for the last 15 years.
1: Now, uh, also, there was a cut Hopefully you have it there where he had to acknowledge that uh, everyone in Major League Baseball and on the Yankees was banned from going to his restaurant and gin mill establishments. Why would they do that, Dominic Carter? Why would the Yankees tell people like Derek Rhetorical, rhetorical questions. Dino Martinez, you can't go there.
8: Jimmy Jimmy Rodriguez was preparing the meals yes. for the Yankees games. Yes. And he had become very much an insider to know Jimmy is to like Jimmy. He's a cool dude. You know, I I don't know about his past. I don't know anything about that. I know you talk about it. Don't look at me like that. I know you talk about it. He's a cool guy and he was cool with the Yankees, but then the Yankees decided, Hey, this is not a good look for major league baseball you're banned from going there. When when I would be there at uh at the at the original Jimmy's, it would be me, Patrick Ewing, uh Oh, and, Patrick Ewing. And and his knees would be all taped up. Or, you know, they'd give him a chair Because 'cause we'd go to a private area. Yes. And uh Stefan Mulberry from uh, the from
1: the Knicks when that was all over. Female. She was knocking boots. What the hell well, was going on in when, that private room?
8: N- n- I said a private area. Oh, I didn't private, say a private <laughs> room. That yeah, <it> was knocking <laughs> boots. No, but 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 he wasn't like that when when
1: he was with you. you, you yeah, think. you
8: didn't even know when he was around me that he was Stephon Marbury, mm.
1: except for the ladies going crazy. By the way, uh, there was a time, and you can ask Congressman Peter King and uh, Vito Fasella. Uh, They had their wives. They were in an Italian restaurant, very exclusive, uptown, Upper East Side. And they were putting together a petition of some type, and they wanted my help. Okay. Do you know who was sitting opposite us with the biggest black mama I have ever seen in my life? I I have no idea. Uh, Stephon Marbury. Uh, he was, I fornicating me, I was, I fornicating him. But
8: that may have been his
1: sisters, his two sisters, uh, a
8: kind of, uh, kind of- Soft uh, soft yeah. uh, Whatever term you yeah, want to yeah. use. So it, it probably was one of his sisters.
1: Well, really, she had nothing to do with this. It's just when he saw me and I saw him, it was like- uh, Two uh, scorpions in a brandy glass. Well, we can, can we were imagine, in a fight.
8: Can you imagine if I? Yeah, I, I could see. I could see you two.
1: And, and Peter King had to come and hey, say to me, "Our wives are here." You know, Vito for right. sure. Please, Curtis, don't make a right. scene. Right. I said, "Don't make a scene. Look at how he's looking. at you. He's a mad dogging me." This is when but, he was no longer in the NBA. He's over you know, he's over in Red China now. They have a statue uh, uh, right, to him. Right outside he's, he's one of the one stadium. Yeah. Well, you,
8: you know, you know, maybe maybe I should take you up there one night. Jimmy's dad. to Jimmy's place. Oh
1: yeah. If you promise not to start any trouble. I'll tell you what this is what I'll do, because this is the new hangout of your friend Eric Adams. <laughs> uh and uh Eddie Caban, the police commissioner, which uh, you, know, you do realize if an average cop were to be in that location, they're in major trouble. They would lose their job. But it's okay for the mayor and the police commissioner. I'll go up there, and this is what I'll do I'll point to all the pictures on the wall because they have a hall of shame. This guy's a felon. This guy's a felon. This guy's a felon. This guy. Can I do that in front no, of everyone? No. No. You
8: can go up there with me, have a good time, and be cool. Just be Curtis Slewa. You can't go up there with any of your regular antics. And you know,
1: I could say, didn't you just come back from Comstack? No, you just do seven, no, seven no, years no, no. But,
8: but wait a minute, Curtis. You're more hood than I am. That's so, true. So, 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 yeah, now that I think about it, so you know what it's like when you're in an establishment. You don't, you don't say, "Oh, he's a convicted felon. He's a convicted felon." You're all from the hood and you're having I a know, good but time. I
1: want to know in that private area.
8: eyes.
1: But the, the, the con-